Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here. I am so excited because I recently received my latest order from Sock Religious. I ordered the He is Risen socks in order to celebrate Easter. And we know that Easter is not just one Sunday out of the year, but we have several Sundays of Easter that I'll be able to wear these socks as I celebrate Mass. If you are looking for the perfect gift for First Communion or Confirmation, Make it sock religious. You'll be sharing the gift of faith with whoever you gift them to. For more information, find the link in the show notes to order your socks today from Sock Religious, whether they're for yourself or as a gift. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I have Emily Geminette joining me again. She was on the podcast last year, uh, speaking about her book about the promises of the Sacred Heart. And so today, we're going to be speaking about Divine Mercy, because she has collaborated with another friend of hers on a few different projects, and two of them were related to Divine Mercy. We know that the Sunday after Divine Mercy, so right now, we are in the midst of the Divine Mercy Novena, that... Jesus asked St. Faustina for that novena and for a feast of divine mercy. So I'm excited to be speaking with Emily about divine mercy and Mary in her life. So welcome back, Emily. Thank you so much, Father Edward, for having me on. I'm very excited and just honored to be on your podcast. And these are some of my favorite topics. Hard to understand, right? We can't fully grasp divine mercy, but we definitely know what it looks like when we experience it. And it's really been a source of um, inspiration for me to form my life more around uh, living a life of divine mercy to others, showing mercy uh, through deeds and words and prayers. And, and it's all tied into the Blessed Mother because she is our greatest role model of what that looks like to be a merciful and loving mother. So very excited to be on today. When was the first time that you discovered divine mercy? I'm sure for everybody, there's that moment where they're like, I didn't know about this, but now I know about it. So what was that moment for you? Uh, I think I was in high school and it was my get what I interpreted it as, you know, as an 18 year old, get out of jail free card. If that, that's what I thought I heard, you know, being said to me, it wasn't because we know it's more complex than that. But this idea that God has all this mercy to pour out upon us, an ocean of mercy. And even in my, my teenage years, I thought, well, that's really cool. We can go to church. We can pray. And the Lord wants to give us that mercy. And uh, ever since that, you know, I, I've really strived to be a, a better recipient of his mercy. What do you see as the connection? Because I know that you wrote this book on the promises of the Sacred Heart of Jesus uh, through Ave Maria Press, that's published by. And what do you see as the connection between the Sacred Heart devotion and the Divine Mercy devotion? I wrote a piece, this was maybe five, six years ago already, but I remember always being told, like, you know, these devotions are really in competition with one another. And so some some people of a certain Catholic persuasion would be like, I really 
really don't like the Divine Mercy. It's too new. The Sacred Heart is more ancient, all of these things. So what do you make of the devotion? I think they go hand in hand. And in fact, I actually wrote my piece focusing on the precious blood, on the Sacred Heart, and on the Divine Mercy, really seeing the connection of all three Catholic private revelations and devotions in our faith. But how do you see them working together? I love what you just said. That's exactly how I started one of the chapters in uh, Secrets of the Sacred Heart, that they're not rivaling devotions, but having two books on Divine Mercy and now this third book on the Sacred Heart, you know, people were like, oh, Divine Mercy replaced the Sacred Heart. And I'm like, well, actually the rays pour forth from the same heart, right? It's not, it's, it's, everything comes forth from that heart. And it's really also complements with this idea, even Jesus told St. Margaret Mary Alico in the 1670s that he had this ocean, this abyss of mercy that he offered souls. It's very similar language to St. Faustina with her understanding of divine mercy and her great mission to promote uh, divine mercy. So I, I just see that they're both um, complement each other and their gifts. And it's also, as I love my husband and I were trying to explain it to the children, these two devotions. And he said, sometimes when you're just feeling like kind of, you know, a child is ashamed of maybe something and they don't, you know, a little kid will cover their face. And it's like, oh, I can't look at mom and dad. Sometimes, you know, looking right into the heart of Jesus would be even too challenging if you were really struggling with um, needing to be a recipient of that mercy. So I think both devotions, they're in both of my house. They're in different portions of my house. Um, we, we pray to and we venerate both images, but I see them as beautiful teaching tools, especially when we pass on faith. One of the books you wrote on divine mercy was Our Friend Faustina, Life Lessons in Divine Mercy. It's a book that really you serve as an editor of, and there are different contributions from other people of faith that share about their devotion to St. Faustina and what that's meant for them. But how is it that Faustina became a friend of yours? And how are you inspired by some of these life lessons that you learned from your own life, but maybe also from some of the other authors as well? Well, one of the things Michelle and I felt really strongly was putting together a book that had a variety of different women's voices that were choosing to live out this devotion to uh, divine mercy. It's, as you know, Father, you know, divine mercy consists of a lot of different aspects of the devotion, such as some people might know only about the divine mercy novena, which you mentioned earlier, you know, that they live all year for this novena. Others might know of the image of divine mercy. But what we wanted to do is highlight these different aspects of, um, you know, St. Faustina, the things she did, and, and allow women to tell their story. When um, the book first came out, our friend Faustina, one of the beautiful responses we got from one of our readers was she said, I've never considered the saints to be my friend. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around this idea. So what we tried to do was say that, you know, the, the saints are just, they're more than just um, gold medalists, right? Who received the end of the line, received their gold medal in the sense of, you know, they've accomplished their mission and um, they ended up being elevated to the place of being a saint. But it's important to see that they're, they're, they want to have a relationship with us. They want to help us. And for me and our friend Faustina, 
I really shared about this important task. I was invited from a friend to participate and that was um, really serve as a friend to a friend with ALS. And he wasn't my friend before um, he was sick. I really got to walk with him during those hard years and they were hard years because they were lonely. He didn't have a lot of visitors. He was a young man living in a nursing home. But because of St. Faustina, she challenged me in, in my understanding of what it meant to even be mother, what it meant to not just serve my, my at the time, you know, young family, but really to allow my service to extend beyond my own walls and into the wider community. And, and that's, that's what Divine Mercy has done for me is it's said, I never want to not have a response for someone's suffering. That response can either be in, you know, a deed, uh, a word, a word of encouragement that provides hope and faith, or lastly, um, a prayer. So she just gave me this formula to, uh, to organize my busy life. How is it that you came to find all the different contributors? What was the process like for you to select these individuals? Did you know stories of divine mercy that touched their life already? Or was it kind of a discovery as you found each one? Well, one of the things is we wanted to have, like I said, um, we were we were kind of in this place in our culture where the the Me Too movement we could say was just all over the media, and and there was just this, these strong voices of women, but not bringing them back to faith, not focusing them back on on Christ, and that's one of the things we wanted to do is choose strong women who are serving as leaders in all of these different aspects of their life, but that they were full embracing and living out their Catholic faith. So um, it was really important to us that we found them. And it just began by an invitation asking them first, you know, do you have a devotion to uh, Divine Mercy? Do you have a relationship to St. Faustina? And asking them some of those important questions. And each one came back with really unique stories. And uh, it was it was like a Holy Spirit uh, potluck, as my mom used to say, you know, have a Holy Spirit potluck. Everything would kind of come together because they covered each aspect of divine mercy that we wanted to touch on through stories. And uh, one of my favorite things about this book, uh, our friend Faustina, Life Lessons in Divine Mercy, was that Father Chris Alar did a free video series for us from the, from the Marians um, that complemented this book. Because what we realized too, a lot of times women, they, you know, they need that introduction. And then he kind of did the next level of a really some great formation on each topic. Uh, and that video series is for free. It's at um, inspirethefaith.com. So that was a, a neat one more piece of collaboration that uh, was, was really great. Your friend Michelle wrote in chapter one, closeness to Mary will draw you to Jesus. And that was kind of her reflection about a Marian devotion leading to devotion to divine mercy. I'm sure that maybe you've sensed that as well in your own work uh, that you've been doing. Yes. You know, Mary, I think to me, the the more ministry work I've, I've been involved in and just even my vocation as a wife and mother, she really is our, our heavenly mother, but yet she walks with us sometimes when our feet are knee, knee deep in mud and we're struggling. You know, she's, she's there. I, I like to tell my young children that they have two mothers, you know, their heavenly mother who's perfect and immaculate and my, you know, and I am your earthly mother. I am here, but I'm striving to be more like Mary every day. And when I say that, I mean, you know, simple things like growing in virtue. I want to have the virtues of the Blessed Mother. 
I want to have her, her temperament. You know, when we read through the gospels, we can see there's times that she was very strong, such as the wedding feast of Cana, you know, um, beginning, really beginning Jesus's public ministry. But then at the cross, she's quiet and reflective and prayerful and, and really um, fully present for our Lord in, in so, such a supportive way. So for me as a mother, I strive to be in union with God's will so that I can know when it's a time of action and when it's a time of reflection and prayer. And Mary gives us that knowing God's will. She gives us that great example because she always said yes to the will of God. She said, let it be done to me. And if we try to make her prayer our prayer and that line from the Our Father, thy will be done, surely that will be accomplished then, that we will truly discover God's will for our life. You've introduced people to St. Faustina, our friend. These individuals share their stories about uh, Faustina and divine mercy in their life, but you already mentioned as well that you wrote the Divine Mercy uh, for Moms book as well. And so how does divine mercy interplay in your life as a mom? Well, one of the things that was really um, meaningful and, and impactful for me when we wrote our friend um, or divine mercy for moms was that a lot of times we were provided opportunities to grow in grace, such as offering something up, right. Or really enduring maybe a new trial, such as not being able to sleep through the night or something. And in those moments, instead of being regretful or, you know, um, pushing them aside, this was an opportunity to grow in my faith. And this was an opportunity to um, really grow closer to the Lord. So I think back, my oldest is 21 years old now, like in those quiet hours of the night, I learned that that was an opportunity, you know, to pray. And I would have my rosary beads on my, you know, rocking chair and I would pray the rosary. And, and I think that even, you know, luckily there wasn't the smartphone era at that time, but I think that we now have the opportunity to choose to pray versus to scroll, right? And, and to be distracted. So um, in our, in the book, Divine Mercy for Moms, it was trying to bring the vocation of motherhood in, in line with this idea of living out uh, the devotion to divine mercy, but ultimately knowing as well that, you know, Mary is, Mary's the one who perfectly has, has lived out what it means to, to live out the will of God. And, and that's, as you mentioned, that's so powerful because as moms, that's what we want to do is we want to be able to you know, fully stay in step with the will of God and help each child where they, they need to be for them to, um, you know, have their wings and fly. So it's, it's a delicate act. And that's why I think when St. Faustina talked about this importance of deed, word, and prayer are the ways to express mercy, it really gave me new structure to think, well, one little deed might be getting a kid a drink of water and not me rolling my eyes, right? Not me saying, oh, I gotta do this again, you know, but I, making it a, a spiritual gift. And so those, those opportunities, because Mary, you know, in her quiet life of Nazareth as the mother of God, she did those deeds lovingly and in, in perfectly uh, in, in will with the Lord. So I can definitely look to her as, as my strength. 
And I'm willing to bet too, divine mercy for moms, that there are moms out there who probably do need the message of divine mercy. We all need it, but in a particular way, maybe they need that message of mercy and forgiveness because maybe they've done something in their life that they regret. And so they need this message of divine mercy to kind of comfort them, to console them over whatever that was. Or maybe, you know, with the divine mercy image, it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And and I think too, we need need that that moment of trust and so you think of a mom and maybe they have to make decisions about you know how they're raising their child or something like that or what to do and so they have to have that trust so there are certain aspects as well just to the devotion in general that i think are are needed very much for moms but for all people as well you're really right because um the gospel is meant to set us free and to help us to, you know, live in God's will. And yet those, those mistakes, the devil's the one who wants to, you know, hold that over our head and constantly remind us of the mistakes, maybe from our past. And it, it prevents us. What I love about this devotion in link to my vocation as a wife and mom is I know that I'm seeking to live out the will of God, but I also know that he's going to be merciful to me if I humbly seek that mercy. So coming to him, asking for those graces, please have mercy on the Lord. Like I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to make these decisions, you know, but yet ultimately that, that key component is trust, right? As Jesus says, his signature, Jesus, I trust in you is, is, you know, is the words which we carry in our heart in that um, as motherhood and, and fatherhood, there's a lot of there's a lot of little pains that happen along the way, but to know that our faith that ultimately isn't going to be, you know, just, um, you know, fear, but ultimately a loving act. You know, we want to love the Lord with our whole heart and soul and even just um, recognize that Jesus loves our children even more than when we love them. So it's just freed me up to to better embrace my vocation and kind of break away those patterns of of um, fear-based decision-making. Lots of people need this message. And so I think sometimes with our devotions, with our Catholic theology and life and spirituality, all these things, usually it seems to appeal to people on the inside. Like you have to be a part of the club in a sense in order to understand this, to know what divine mercy is. And then, you know, there are some who are even on the inside who come to our churches on the weekends who probably, you know, they know a few things, but they don't know all that much. And maybe there's not an interest there. They're just coming because they know this is what they should do. So we're always looking for new ways to introduce people to the faith and to devotion, to prayer, uh, things of that nature. And there's a new social media platform, like we needed another one. <laughs> you know, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and I'm probably forgetting some of them out there, but there's this new one called Clubhouse. And I'm a little familiar with what Clubhouse is just from some of my work in media, but I know that you're actively involved on Clubhouse. And maybe, uh, you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit about bringing divine mercy, bringing Mary, bringing our Catholic faith to the Clubhouse so that others might uh, know about it. But first, what is this new social media platform, Clubhouse? Well, Clubhouse has been around for about a year. It's still in beta form, Father. So you have to have an iPhone to be on Clubhouse at this moment in time. 
but yet there, I, the last statistic I heard was two weeks ago and they, they had 10 million people active. So it is growing rapidly. It is active. You can't have multiple accounts. So you might have, you know, five Instagram accounts, for example, but you can only have one clubhouse account with a real number. I couldn't even link my Google number. I had to have an actual number to, to log onto the app. And it's kind of neat because it's by invitation only through sponsorship. So if I invite Father Edward onto this app, you know, that they see, oh, Emily, you know, invited him on. And then what you have this opportunity to do is to go into different clubs and in each club, there's a different room and a room is a topic. Now, a lot of times people will say, oh, but is, you know, this sounds just like Zoom or this sounds like, you know, YouTube or anything else. And I said, well, what's really kind of interesting is it's an open dialogue based on the topic of, you know, following a structure. Each room has even guidelines you agree to, you know, um, the club's rules, such as uh, you know, be be encouraging, be uplifting, don't criticize, you know, some some basic guidelines of that particular club. But there's once you enter into the conversation, you know, that's it's live. It's a live event and it's not recorded. So, so that live event, you have a moderator to usually two to three moderators and then the people that fill the room. So that's stage and then the audience. But what's really different than even, you know, listening to talk radio is just with the click of my button, I can raise my hand, ask a question and be brought onto the stage. So it allows for really great um, dialogue, conversation, people to share and collaborate on ideas. Uh, I started um, a club. Uh, it's just called the Catholic Women's Club with um, another Catholic author, Elizabeth Tomlin. And we, you know, host these discussions. We invite it to all Catholic women. And one of the things we thought would be great is to share that wisdom from different generations, you know, not just make it just about moms, but allow all women to share in that, that conversation. So I think it's a really neat tool to evangelize. I've, um, I've seen it used a variety of ways in which people have been able to just to get messages out, to share truth and do it in such a love loving way because as you know uh, one little simple tweet does not um, always have the the warmth as you know a few words of encouragement so I'm excited I, I think it's it's going to be a great tool for evangelization now I'm aware that there are some people out there that actually are leading different prayers and devotions through, through the clubhouse that maybe they have a room or something like that where they pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet or they pray the stations or the rosary. Is that something that's out there and people are engaging in? Yeah, actually, um, that's true. There's it's there's another there's a couple clubs I'm a part of that are Catholic clubs. Um, I'm also part of a Christian women's club. So, for example, you know, each session. Any session I lead and I participate in, we close in prayer, which is really amazing to be able to have that, you know, immediate, what are your prayer needs? What are your intentions? And to be able to do that. Um, but then also, you know, yesterday there was a number of beautiful, just, you know, going through the daily readings, having a, a quick Bible study, uh, praying the rosary, praying the you know divine mercy chaplet. So there's these little pop-up rooms in which um, you definitely could do that. And, you know, like anything on social media, you know, my disclaimer is there's a lot of rooms and a lot of clubs, but I like anything on a street, I know where I'm going <laughs> and the type of people I want to, I want to interact with. So um, I'm pretty, pretty good to, to stay in that particular uh, lane, the lanes that I'm, and people have descriptions on their club. So usually you have a very good sense of, of what that theme of that room is about. 
And would they have to approve you to enter the club room of the topic? That's interesting. So they, um, when you, for example, Catholic Women's Club, we ask just a few simple questions. And um, based on our bylaws, you'll see that, you know, if you are a well-intended, you know, person, you'll be just fine. Now, the other thing is, is that if you did have a person in a particular room that was, um, let's say, not a Christian and um, causing issues and, and being disrespectful, you can actually immediately report them and they are flagged for their behavior and they have a transcript of the particular room. So people actually behave maybe more so than Twitter because they do not want to lose their membership of the club or the clubhouse app. So I've not, I've spent um, many hours listening to different types of rooms and I have not seen um, the, the dialogue be disrespectful. I, I've really been amazed at how um, courteous people have been. And for me, like yourself, I'm always trying to learn new skill sets. So I might be sitting in a room about um, something that's, that's, you know, more related to my business or how to, you know, use your constant contact better, let's say. And um, it's a great opportunity to just uh, freshen up on some skills and hear somebody else's perspective. So how is it different then? So beside the fact that it's live, it sounds kind of like a podcast in a sense that you're kind of just participating in a live podcast or masterclass or would that be a fair assessment or no? Well, it is, but what's also kind of neat is that you follow people. So it does have a following component where people find you, they follow you and then their rooms, you'll say, you know, Emily Jaminette's in the Catholic mothering room of the, at the time, let's say. And so my followers can see where I'm particularly at at the time if I'm on the app. But what's also neat is that you message each other right now through um, Instagram. So you use your DM as a way to communicate your direct message. So I see and hear of a lot of neat collaboration taking place. Uh, I've already met a number of people and been able to say, you know, how can how can we help you? You know, how can I help you in your ministry work? So uh, it, it's a little bit more instant and now necessarily as a, a podcast, a, a little more obtainable and even live discussion through um, direct message if you didn't want to ask a question in the moment. And do people organize the time that you're going to go on Clubhouse? So like, you know, today at three o'clock, let's say the hour of divine mercy, is there going to be a large group of people saying, I want to go on Clubhouse at three o'clock today because I'm in a mom's group and we're going to pray the divine mercy chaplet together. Is it organized and orchestrated like that? It's a really great question. Um, on the app, it's got a simple calendar icon. So you can click on it and see everything that's coming, that's scheduled and coming up. So if, like I said, for the Catholic rooms, I can see, you know, okay, there's a rosary at five o'clock, Divine Mercy Chaplet at three o'clock. And I can schedule that out and I can even add it to my calendar, which is really great. And then right below that, I have my events for you. You. So uh, when I get Father Edward on this app, you know, I, he can see right there, boom, you know, I'm leading three events this, re this week. So you know exactly how, you know, what you're responsible for. And typically when you, when I moderate a room, you know, we'll say it's, you know, everyone in the room, okay, we'll be, this room will be an hour long, but you'd be amazed. Some of these rooms can go hours upon hours and they just switch the moderators and people come and go. It's kind of a, uh, a flowing kind of uh, situation, but it's like I said, I, I see a lot of potential 
to also use your clubhouse to complement. Maybe you're giving a presentation and you just stream it in and then, you know, have a discussion after, after that. So definitely a lot of neat ways um, to connect and especially connect with the church universal. I've been very, uh, I built some really neat relationships uh, universal, well, outside the United States. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like networking. It's almost like a LinkedIn, but it's not text. It's not posting. It's it's this it's these rooms and it's live discussion and you can you know network with other people. You can learn from them. They can learn from you. Uh, it seems very. Uh, interesting, you know. Uh, I don't know if I need another social media platform in my life. No one has told me I have to be on Clubhouse, but I feel <laughs> a little left out by the fact that I don't have a Clubhouse account, and I know a lot of people that do. So I don't know if I'll uh, venture over well, there. Well, or I, not. I have one more motivation piece for you: is they have talked about that it might have a fee down the road that they're laying out a platform, you know, and then like to join a club or to join you know, especially so uh, as a mom of seven children, I'm like, Oh, I'd rather get in while it's free. <laughs> so, sure. uh, that is one that is one nice thing is that it is, uh, it is still free. And how is it that you knew someone that apparently that was on the clubhouse, and then they sent you the invite? Yeah, it was really neat. Um, my brother in law actually owns an automated our, uh, car dealership, these car dealerships. So he said, Emily, I think this would be good for you as you're in evangelization and in ministry too. So he's the one who actually invited me in. And um, I've actually loved going to these automotive rooms. A lot of times, you know, I started following and listening um, and learning a lot about the automotive industry. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Clubhouse. Just so a lot of times your hobbies or an interest or um, I've heard people get really complex questions answered to, you know, situations even in, uh, related to their car or their business. So I've just really enjoyed that live discussion piece. The, the neatest thing for me is to hear people in these different industries, such as small business owners, automotive, all these wide industries talk about the importance of their faith. And I think that, you know, in a lot of these, um, our, our politicians or our movie stars, they, that's not even something that they barely speak about. But to have ordinary people, especially executives and, and just sharing about the importance of God, I, I think every room I've been in, even in, um, you know, arenas that are not Catholic by, by nature, to hear Christians speak openly just is so encouraging. So I, I do, I do really love that. Well, that's great. You know, St. Faustina is in the clubhouse. She is your friend. She can be a friend to moms. And during this week, we're praying the Divine Mercy Novena, probably personally. Maybe you're joining someone online and doing that. But it's great for us to befriend the saints, to know why they're important, and to engage with the devotions that we have received as a church, some of them from these private revelations like St. Faustina. Uh, these devotions really lead us into prayer and to a deeper relationship and friendship with our Lord, uh, which is obviously very good for all of us. So I'm very grateful for our conversation today, that it has been very enlightening, especially to talk about Clubhouse and how it can be used for, for Catholic good, but also too to touch base with you about your own love and passion for divine mercy with St. Faustina. Yes, I think that for all of us, we can, you know, pause and reflect at this time in the church and the time of our life to see that the Lord is offering us mercy, right? It's 
we get the opportunity to to respond with um, you know allowing him to to pour forth those graces into our hearts and you know to share that mercy with others. So it's it's truly the greatest gift is to to live in this devotion of divine mercy and and to pass it along to others. And we know that Mary is the mother of mercy, and so we ask her to pray for us in all that we do. If people want to learn more about your work, Emily, how can they do that? Um, the best way to find me is at Emily Jaminet, J-A-M-I-N-E-T dot com. And to learn more about our friend Faustina or Divine Mercy for Moms, you know, please visit our ministry site at inspirethefaith.com. And that's great. I'll post those links in the show notes. And if you're privileged enough to be on Clubhouse, you can also find her there. Thanks so much for being with me today. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. If you don't mind, please leave a review of How They Love Mary on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your family or your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or wherever people find their podcasts. And if you don't mind, please give me a follow on social media at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm-hmm.